Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Long Overdue, a Franklin Library podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Andy. I'm Carrie. I'm Sarah. And today we are going to be talking about our favorite books of the year, our wrap-up episode, um, as well as maybe previewing a book or two that we're excited about for next year. Um, And I will kick us off. Um, So we went to... WLA, which is the Wisconsin Library Association Conference, and um, a couple of us did at least, and Sarah and I went to see a talk by an author, Charlie Donnelly, um, who talked about how he became a writer, and his story was very unique in that he never read books. He didn't read in middle school or high school. He would just use spark notes. And when he was in college, he picked up John Grisham's The Firm as like a leisure reading uh, (laughs) choice. And he said, that's the first book I read cover to cover and I couldn't put it down. And I decided I wanted to write that book for other people. The book that you like can't put down. He should tell John Grisham that if he hasn't had a chance. Oh, I sure hope hope he did. I was in there with you and I don't remember. Did you say that he met John Grisham? I'm not sure. You were just. I, I, I all hope he like <laughs> sent an email. It was at the end of the day. It was a long day. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so he was um, selling books, but also giving out advanced reader copies or ARC copies um, for free of his latest book, Twenty Years Later. Um, which the plot of that one comes out at the end of the month, so it's not even out yet. Um, I haven't read it, but it's next up on my list. Um, And it's about a victim from September 11th. And there's a new technology, and she's identified. But the catch is, she was accused of a gruesome murder. And her last phone call was a call to her sister, begging her to clear her name. So the mystery is in the thick of it. Um, And that's pretty much all his books, is it's like a very complicated mystery thriller. Um... And I, I love him. I've, <laughs> I've listened to three of his audiobooks, and I'm about halfway through a fourth one in the last, like, month since we saw him. I've listened to, like, one a week. And they are unputdownable, especially, like, in the last two hours. I just fly through them and, and listen to him. Maybe needs to, like, email him and tell him how much he loves. Oh, I, I will. So too. Maybe he'd write he, a book about the maybe. stalker fan who emails him. <laughs> Um, so he said, I love getting emails when people say, like, I love this book, so email me. So I'm gonna, I want to read his newest book first, and I'm gonna email him and be like, hey, I listened and or read to your whole catalog in a month, uh, please write more. I would really fanboying out here. Oh my god, I would also (laughs) say it would be calling the cops because we got no stalker, but that's just me. Maybe I could be the plot of his next book. Maybe. The librarian is stacking the author. Oh my god, that's a good idea. Write that in your email. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so the couple I've listened to so far are Don't Believe It, The Girl Who Was Taken, The Suicide House, and the one I'm currently listening to is Some Choose Darkness. Um, So they're all those like kind of murder mystery, thriller genre that blends. And... I, re- I really, really enjoy them. They're pretty quick reads because you want to finish them. 
Um, they all have aspects where you're like, oh, I bet this is the person who did it, and then it's it never is. There's always a twist um, that you don't see coming, and that's what I really appreciate about him. All his books have twists, and I you you don't see them coming. I don't know. Maybe if you pay attention a little bit more than I do, um, but they're all really good. They're all really engaging, and I can't wait to read his next one. And email him about it. And email him about it. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm not threatening, I promise. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, what he tells everyone. Is he like, can, okay, so we're comparing him to John Grisham, but like, what about James Patterson? Because I'm more familiar with Patterson's work. Like, how is he to him? Because I don't care for Patterson at all. I don't know, because I haven't read any okay. James Patterson Just books. curious, because... I can't stand Patterson's. Well. Okay. <laughs> That's how I feel about James Patterson. I hope um, it's not like James Patterson. I like, I don't mind Patterson's children's books, like their, his middle grade book, but his, his like adult thrillers or whatever, I can't get it. So I don't typically read any of that mass market type stuff. That's not the genre that I typically go for. Um, and I really enjoy these. So I don't think it's like Patterson. Unless you like Patterson, then maybe it is like Patterson. I think Patterson is more, I don't know. I feel like he's more mystery than suspense. Yeah. And even, I like the titles of the books that you listed. Like, the titles are kind of unique and they mm-hmm. they remind me of something that would be typically more suspense than mystery. And, and they are suspenseful. They're well written. They have engaging characters. So sometimes I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a little like, um, I don't know, like tropey or um, can't think of the word. Cliched. Cliched. Um, but overall, I really like him. The characters are engaging. They have like little things. And he's really good at kind of dripping those details in, and then it comes around in the end, and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense because he built that up slowly versus. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, and she used to be a championship boxer, and that's why she was able to beat that guy up. <laughs> I, for, I forgot to say that. He would yeah. introduce that concept that early on, so it it's, well, like, benign, and she then... she a championship boxer? Well, I don't want to ruin anything, Maybe Sarah. Maybe I would read it more if I knew that. There is, there is a plot where <laughs> the person takes kickboxing <gasps> classes. That's right up my alley. And they come in handy. I don't remember him saying that. Well, yeah, he didn't. He didn't divulge the plot of all the books. But so anyway, she she goes to the gym and does kickboxing classes, and it comes back later. But it would be weird when she was fending off the person with kickboxing stuff if he hadn't introduced that she took kickboxing classes. Say, when I do the kickboxing, I do body combat, and um, she's always like, you're in a street fight, don't go on the beat. Because you just, you just go. Because <laughs> there's music in kickboxing. So don't fight Sarah in a back alley is what when we're taking you away from playing? this. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me put my body combat playlist out. That's all I listen to. Alright, this is getting off the rails. Andy, save us. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to talk about a handful of books that I read in the past year um, that were my favorites uh, of the year. Um, All of them came out in either 2021, and there were a few that came out in 2020, too. So um, 
And that, uh, that kind of fits in with how I select books. Uh, a lot of the books that I read are from the previous year's best of lists, so divulging uh, one of my secrets <laughs> on how I select books. Um, but yeah, I, I just like, uh, I just always find really good stuff on, on those best of lists. So uh, the first one I wanted to talk about is one that I did discuss on a previous podcast called Sergeant Salinger by Jerome Sharon. And this is uh, a historical novel about J.D. Salinger's experiences in World War II and how those experiences shaped him as a person and as a writer, um, both in combat as and as an intelligence officer during World War II. He really saw a lot of bad stuff, um, D-Day, Battle of Bulge, concentration camps, and this book shows how he was really kind of scarred by those experiences and how it influenced his writing. And I would say the, the book was really uh, excellently written. I would, you don't have to really be a fan of Salinger to like it, but I think if you are a fan of Salinger, you'll really enjoy it. Or if you're into World War II fiction, especially if you don't care if there's lots of battles and strategies and, and that kind of stuff, it's really more of a personal and intimate story. The next one that I wanted to talk about is from 2020, and it's called Cool Town, How Athens, Georgia Launched Alternative Music and Changed American Culture by Grace Elizabeth Hale. And it's about the scene in the college town of Athens, Georgia, and its influence on pop popular culture, uh, which kind of started in the late 70s and into the 80s. Um, really the first... Uh, development in in that was the uh, the rise of the band the B-52s and they went on to be you know very influential in the 80s and beyond uh, the author was a student at the University of Georgia in Athens at this time so the book is a mixture of um, oral history she does talk to a lot of people who are also there uh, her personal experiences and memories and then, obviously, uh, quite a bit of research. The um, book is very, very comprehensive uh, in accounting the scene in terms of art and music. Um, talks a lot about all the old clubs that were there in Athens and folk artists who lived in the area. It's really very interesting and just shows how um, their influence really grew into things that we really even um, that are popular and influential today. Uh, also very detailed accounts of the early careers of the bands Pylon and especially REM, which is kind of what attracted to me, attracted me to the book because I, I'm a big REM fan. Yet, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so there was a lot, a lot about them and uh, very interesting. Like I said, very detailed, so you can look up to see what uh, Michael Stipe had for breakfast on April 7th, 1986. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit there, but there's a lot a lot of detail. So, um, uh, Can mm -hmm. I ask you a question? Yes. Wasn't there, wasn't there like an amazing college radio station in at the University of Georgia, Athens, or am I thinking of a different? 
I believe so. Yes. Did yes. She cover definitely. That as yes. Well? Yes. Um, I would say a couple of the people who are DJs at that station are pretty major character, or a couple of major characters in the story. Um, yeah, it's really like I said, it's very comprehensive. It's not just about music. It's a lot about art because a lot of the people who are really very big in that scene were artists, visual artists, and and other uh, artists. Uh, the art there are several faculty members in the art department who are very influential to the students and people who went on to you know form bands and stuff. So it's really um, very interesting. Um, it does kind of it does kind of follow the scene chronologically and has kind of a loose narrative flow. Um, so it's most I would say mostly of interested interest to people who are interested in cultural history or popular culture, or if you really are specifically interested in that particular scene and how it um, evolved. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was a really really great book. Uh, my next one is uh, one that I did talk about before on the podcast, too, and Sam has also read it. It's called Earthlings by Sayaka Murata, a Japanese author. And it follows the story of Natsuki, a young Japanese woman, kind of like from her childhood into her 20s, so about like for about 10 years or so, 11 years old to, you know, her mid-20s or so. Um, she doesn't really do very well with conforming to the, uh, the society in uh, modern society and considers herself an alien. And she has a little plush hedgehog that she uh, <laughs> says is an extraterrestrial being and he kind of influences her uh, as to what she does. And so it sounds like a very cute story, doesn't it? <laughs> we all know it's not. It's not a cute story. No. No. <laughs> so I would say if you wanted to make a list of five or six of the most horrible things you can do to someone else, they all happen in this book. I mean, that it's really, it's quite awful. But it's also very entertaining okay. and awesome. Because, like, this is the second time I've heard about this book, and I still don't ever want to read it. It's, and we, so Andy and I both read it at the same time without knowing it and mm-hmm. and Andy was like I need to tell you about this super re- weird book I'm reading <laughs> and he started describing it and I was like oh Earthlings because I'm also re- <laughs> reading it it is the most bizarre book I think I've ever read it's not very long so it really packs the bizarre punch in um, I, lo- I love it and I loved her other book Convenience Store Woman yeah. it's I, I want to say less weird, but probably not all that less weird. Um, but it does talk a, a lot about the, like, not fitting in in society and not, like, really conforming to the idea of what people think you should be. Your, your path of life. Um, yeah, and I, I would, it's, it's a funny book. You know, it's kind of a sly sense of humor. And I think that keeps it from being kind of, like, too dreadful to, to really even think about or read because there's yes there is some bad stuff that happens I mean I remember by the end of the book I was like jumping out of my chair I couldn't like sit <laughs> yeah. still at the end of the book because it was just so crazy all the stuff that was happening so 
So if that intrigues you, I would it, say give it a it, try. It gets pretty gruesome, but yes. in like yes. an absurd, absurdist way yes. that it. I mean, the, it's still gruesome, but it's so absurd that you're you just kind of like, it, this doesn't track me anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, quite a unique reading experience for sure and I'll, I'll have to read her other book mm-hmm. sometime because I'm, I'm very curious about that one um, another one that I talked about in an earlier broadcast that I, or podcast that I would recommend is Liar's Dictionary by Ellie Williams and that one is about the uh, uh, dictionary that uh, they're working on and they discover that a whole bunch of the definitions are fake and um, that was done on purpose by one of the lexicographers who was writing it back in the uh, during the Victorian era when the dictionary first came out. So, yes, I will say the term Mount Weasel. That yes. is the name of the, <laughs> you know, the, the name of the term for uh, for the fake entries in the dictionary. Um, and it's a, again, it's a very funny story. And there's another uh, plot line that takes place during the present day where. Uh, the main character is an intern who is assigned to find all the the uh, Mount Weasels. So, um, and that was like a like a copy like a copyright like well guard, yeah there, there right? is well yes I mean that's not why he was doing it I think oh. he was just doing it because he was bored and <laughs> hated all the people that he worked with and was just in general a troublemaker and uh. uh, uh kind of a misanthropic type character. Hmm. Um, but yes, that is one thing that a Mount Weasel can be used for, is to check to see if some other book is copying your your definitions, because if you put in some crazy definition, and then you see it in another dictionary or reference work, mm-hmm. you'll, know, you'll know that they were, they were copying they you. They just copied it. They, and they didn't do their homework. That yeah, right. They didn't catch the, the fake word. They just copied all your work to reproduce it. Right. So that it is, that is real, um, but um, but that's not that wasn't really his motivation quite so much. Yeah, in the book for doing that. Um, let's see. I've just got a couple of more. Uh, Girl in the Walls by A. J. Ganesi. And if you remember from when I talked about that one on a previous podcast, that's a story of an eleven-year-old girl who survives a car accident that kills her parents and she kind of escapes from foster care that evening that uh, that happens and goes back to live in the house that her family had just moved out of a couple months ago so she is basically hiding literally in the walls and in the attic and various other crawl spaces and closets and such uh, unbeknownst to the people who live there now uh, and then finally, a couple of the family members, the two uh, sons, do kind of start to have this feeling that they're being watched or something's going on. So they do kind of try to investigate it to see um, what's going on. And it's a very, very suspenseful book. Um, also, really very sad in a way, too, just because of her circumstances. And I think it's, uh, you know, very good portrayal of uh, grief as well but um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a fun book, but it's very, very suspenseful and exciting. That one sounds really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. that one I'm going to add to my to-read list. That one sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah that one in the Liar's Dictionary, when that you talked about it, I was too. like, ooh, I need to add those. Yeah. All right, and then um, The Office of Historical Corrections by Danielle Evans. And this is a short story book. Um, and it's mainly... Uh, filled with stories of how race plays a part in our everyday lives and um, in particular, you know, for people of color. Um, one story that I found interesting that was a little bit different just because the main character is not a person of color is one where a uh, female student who's in uh, college becomes a pariah on her campus because someone posts a picture on social media of her in a confederate flag bikini and as uh, as you could imagine um, a firestorm ensues um, and it re- it's really it's practically like a story from Yahoo News or something like that because it's just so so real and you know just is very true and what what you would just imagine happening. And then the title story is a novella about a government worker worker who works for an agency assigned to uh, combat the epidemic of misinformation in American society. So she goes around to different um, locations where maybe there's historical markers or something like that and will note what uh, one information is incorrect um, usually it has something to do with historical racism and I didn't I, w- I didn't really I uh, wasn't really ready for this part of the story but uh, most of it takes place in Wisconsin so <laughs> oh wow so yeah. interesting there's a lot of historical markers in Wisconsin it, yeah it's 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 quite a yeah it's oh. it's quite a story really it's really really good and she's you know a really writer and I would just say, that um, the reason why it's so good is that she just seamlessly weaves these themes, you know, into each story. So it's not like um, she's trying to teach a lesson or anything like that. They're just very true to life um, and very, very well done. And then finally, uh, I won't talk very long about these books because we have mentioned them on uh, previous podcasts, (laughs) if you've been listening. Maybe once. Uh, yeah. The Only Good Indians by uh, Stephen James or Stephen Graham Jones. And uh, I would say that that was probably pretty much my my favorite of the year. Um, and then he also did write another one uh, or that was published this year, My Heart is a Chainsaw. And they're both uh, horror books that are very different from each other. Um I think the, the great thing about Only Good Indians is it's a very interesting horror story, very different horror story, but it also has, you know, a lot of the elements of the uh, Native American life, mm-hmm. uh, both on reservation and off reservation. And uh, the characters are really great. And um, same with My Heart is a Chainsaw. It's not quite as much involved with uh, the Native American community, but um, it's still. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I um, read the Only Good Indians as well, 
and my heart is chainsaws on my list and I love the only good Indians um, and he's gonna be an author that you want to like read his books now because in uh, like a couple years he'll probably have like the New York Times bestseller or be on like tons of lists and you'll look really smart being like <laughs> oh yeah, well I read the only well, good yeah. Indians years ago okay. yeah and uh, you can show off to all your friends exactly do it do it. I read The Only Good Indians as well. And I think this is our fourth podcast mentioning it. At least. Oh, at I, least. I at least. think we're up to five or six at least It's very now. possible. It was great. It didn't make my list of favorites, but um, that's because basically we've talked about it too much. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I just couldn't leave it off. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I get it, Andy. Um, but yeah, I figured, I figured either you or Sam would bring it up. So that's why I also left it off my list. Yes, I just wanted it to be a continuing theme for the <laughs> podcast yeah. yet for you know for one more episode. Let's figure least. out how to make it make it into yeah. the year with it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see what, what's the theme for next next time. Yeah. Um I have uh four books that I just want to mention quickly that um I read this year that I really enjoyed. They're all a little different, different genres. Um I'm not the best explainer of plots. Uh, I feel like I make no sense when I try to explain a plot of anything to anyone. So I'm going to try and keep it short. Well, that never stopped me. <laughs> Andy, yours all makes sense. I'm usually like, well, so there's this person. I can't remember what happened. I also can't so remember. I don't take notes. I don't like A- Andy comes prepared with notes. And <laughs> we're just like, oh, no, I'll be able to do it from memory. And then we, like, bumble along and then go, oh, wait, no, I forgot to say this really important. Right. Or we end up talking about Sarah's kickboxing class. Yes. That's pretty awesome. That's a good tangent. Um, well, maybe uh, Sam and Andy can help me. I know they read a couple of these books. Um, I don't think so, Sarah. <laughs> they aren't cookbooks or children's books, so yeah. no. Um, the first one I want to talk about, I may have mentioned in a podcast previously, um, it's the pe- it's people of abandoned character uh, by Claire Whitfield, um, and it is a mystery suspense uh, novel, and it is kind of a oh like I guess maybe a reimagining of uh, Jack the Ripper. So from the viewpoint of a woman who believes that her husband is the killer. So it's very interesting. Um, the main character is a nurse in a hospital in London. And it's like the hospital where all the vagrants and homeless people would go to. So it's not a very nice hospital, um, but it is uh, sort of like a teaching hospital. So she's a nurse there and she is older. She's an older woman. Um, Her grandparents have passed away, so she's all alone. She doesn't have a lot of money. So she feels very lucky that she was able to have this job. um, And she doesn't have much hopes for marrying. And um, somehow this, like, dashing doctor caught her. She caught his eye. And anyway, very quickly, they get married. Very quickly, things go badly when they move in uh, to their home. It's very creepy. Um, like the husband is like Jekyll and Hyde, 
Um, and so not, so the husband starts acting really weird and all these killings start happening in London, um, and being attributed to this Jack the Ripper. Um, so she starts to investigate it and I'm going to end there, but I'm also going to say one really interesting thing about the book was not only does it follow her story and her suspicions of her husband, um, in her investigations, but it also dedicates a chapter to each victim before the murder happens. So you get to see their viewpoint, um, kind of, it doesn't describe them getting murdered, but it talks about their lives and them as a person and not just as a victim. So it's a really great book. Um, And the ending totally threw me for a loop. I feel like I can figure stuff out pretty easily. Um, but this one, I was like, who is it? Is it? This? Yeah, it was really good. I would definitely, um, definitely, uh, recommend it. But you also do have to have a little bit of a steel stomach because there's some really gruesome parts when they describe what Jack the Ripper did to his victims. And we all know it was pretty bad. So just be aware. Um, so that would be my first recommendation for the year. Um, my second one would be Homeland Elegies by Ayad Akhtar, who actually is from, I believe, Brookfield or Waukesha. He lived here um, for a large portion of his life. Um, and I believe this book was from 2020. Yes. Yeah. And it won the Wisconsin Library Association Literary Award. Um, I was on that committee. Mm-hmm. And Brittany and I talked about the award winners and nominees in a previous episode. Um, I think we titled it, like, WLA oh, okay. Award Winners. Um, so I read it, and I loved it. It was so good. Very good. I listened to it, and I had Akhtar as the narrator on the audiobook, um, which I thought was really awesome. Um, and Sam and I were talking earlier, like, it's hard to read this book and not think it's a biography and that all this stuff that happens really happens. Because... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it reads. And he even wrote in there that a lot of it is biographical, yeah. but it is not all biographical. Yeah, it's like a fi- fic- fictional biography, yeah. I guess. Um, but when I was reading it, I was like, are we sure that this is fictional? <laughs> I know. I know. While, he, like, while I was listening to it, I was like, did this really happen or is this not really happening? Like, I wanted to go and investigate on the internet all about his life, which I'm sure it's not all on there. Mm. Um, but it was a really interesting book and it kind of, uh, I feel like it went back and forth in time and talks mm-hmm. about his growing up, um, in Wisconsin as probably one of the only Muslim kids in his school mm-hmm. in his community. Um, and then it goes forward in time and it talks about, him as an adult dealing with like 9-11 was a huge part of it. Yeah. His dad is a huge part of the book and all the trouble that his dad gets into. And just listening to him, honestly, he has the best. He, he has like the best voice for his dad. <laughs> it's great. It like makes me laugh. Um, I highly recommend the audio if you if you like to listen to audiobooks. Um, but it really is like. It is a story of him and his family, but it is also a story of America and Mm -hmm. the experiences that many Muslim people have in America and in Wisconsin 
you know, yeah. here. One of the, like, most poignant scenes was um, the character was in New York during 9-11, and this is a real thing that happened, was people lined up mm-hmm. to donate blood yeah. to, like, help because they knew that they were going to need a lot of donations, and he went and lined up. And then realized that everybody was kind of giving him the side eye and people confronted him because he was Muslim and looked like a Muslim and was judged for that, even though he was like, no, I want to like mm-hmm. donate blood and help. And, and the character just like, leaves because mm-hmm. he realizes this is not probably going to end well. They don't want me here. Yeah. yeah. So he like he talks about like being judged for how he appears and looks which he can't really control, um, even though he was doing everything. And he's like, no, I'm American. I'm, I'm helping out like my fellow Americans are. But he wasn't really able to. He was right. judged right. for that. I thought his, the character of his mother was really interesting, mm-hmm. too. Like, they're Pakistani, and she did not want to live here. She yeah. wanted to go back to Pakistan, like, the whole time. And mm-hmm. his father was like, America! <laughs> He's a yeah. Trumper. Like, he was just like, go America. And his mom was like, nope. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I don't... Did she go back to Pakistan? You know, I read this so long remember. ago. I can't remember all those, like, fine details. Yeah. Um, there is a scene, though, um, where he is driving through rural Wisconsin and um, goes to a library. Yeah. And... That's right. He says that he donates money whenever he goes to libraries. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm not saying you should do uh, that. people should be like, But right? that would be pretty cool. Libraries uh, need also, all... <laughs> Mr. Akhtar, if you're listening, you can come to the Franklin Public Library and talk about your awesome book anytime. Yes. Enjoy. This is definitely one that, that I want to read. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, I read his previous novel, American Dervish, which was also really, really excellent. And in fact, I read that when I was on the WLA uh, <laughs> uh, Book Awards Committee. So, uh, but that was really, that was excellent also. Yeah, I want to read that one. Since now that I've read this one, I really do want to read that one as well. Uh, I believe he won a Pulitzer Prize for uh, drama. He's a playwright yes, also. He yes, he did. And I cannot remember the name of the play, but it... It has, it, but he talks about writing it yes. in the Homeland Elegies. Yeah, I think it's a lot of the same themes. Yeah, yeah. So um, um, I will figure it out and put it in our awesome. show notes. So we and can I'm sure it's been uh, it. produced here in Milwaukee. I actually really feel like it has been. Yeah. Um, okay, I have a couple more. Um, the one I just finished not too long ago. It's pretty new. It's called "The Inheritance of Orcadia Divina" by. I'm probably going to not say this right, Zoraida Cordova. Um, and it is definitely, uh, you have to suspend some belief here. It's got a very big element of it is magical realism. Um, so it is about Orcadia Divina and her life and how she becomes kind of magical. Um she has she she's born into this life as a unwanted child a fatherless unwanted child and her mother kind of always treats her poorly and um 
so Orcadia kind of just wanders around on her own in her small town in, mm, I think it's Mexico. It's been a little bit since I've read it. But her small town. And she kind of encounters some magical beings and becomes kind of magical herself. Hmm. Um, and as she grows up, her mother remarries and her treatment of Orcadia is gets even worse. And Orcadia runs away with the circus. Of course. Of course. You've got to have a circus. Classic. you got to have a circus. <laughs> um, and she marries the ringmaster. Uh, and from then on, things get uh, crazier and crazier. And you really got to suspend the belief. Um, but so the story is told, again, it's back and forth in time, from her grandchildren, mostly her grandchildren's point of view. So basically, she has a very large family. She got married, I think, four times after the initial ringmaster. She has a number of children and then a number of grandchildren. And they're all going back to her home because she has invited them because she is dying. And so it's an invitation to her funeral. And they're all coming back for this funeral. Um, and when they get there, Orcadia Davina is turning into a tree. Literally. Oh. What kind of house? <laughs> uh, it, I don't remember the kind of tree, but it's a tree that grows. It does not grow in the valley where their home is. And their home is also very magical. So when Arcadia Divina found this spot in America, she built this home and this like barren, dry valley became lush with fruit trees and grass and animals and the house kind of took on a magical feel to it so it's very like she's got very she's got magical powers and she um does hand them down to people in her family mostly her grandchildren so the whole story starts when she's invited them to this funeral she does pass away and then that's when things get crazy because her grandchildren, one of her grandchildren stays with the house and the other two go away. But three, the three of them, there are other grandchildren, but the three main ones all sprout buds. So one of them has like a rosebud on his hand in between his thumb and his finger. It's real. A little girl. Oh, this would be her great-grandchild. See, this is my problem. I should have written it down. <laughs> the great-grandchild, she's born with a rose on her forehead. And then the other uh, grandchild, the girl who stays in the house, has like a branch coming out of her collarbone, but it won't ever bloom. It's very crazy. So they're, you know, they're walking around with flowers on them, growing out of them. And they change. They change colors. They change shape. Um, but after a few years, they start to die. And they need to figure out why. And, like, so they have to go back to Orcadia Divina's original hometown and try and figure out the mystery of why these, these flowers are dying the house is falling apart, so something evil is trying to kill them. Hmm. So that's the mystery behind it. But it's just crazy the like 
all the magic. Yeah, I mean, that sounds it's really, pretty, it's not, pretty normal. It's pretty, pretty normal. Pretty I mean, I see people with roses <laughs> growing out of their forehead every day. Um, but also mixed in with all this magical realism is a really wonderful story about a family that has a lot of issues but still is a family and loves each other and comes together and helps each other. And it's also weaves a lot of Latin American culture um, into the storyline as well. So it's a really beautiful book. I thought it was beautifully written. Um, the descriptions of the, the valley and the home and even the flowers that are growing out of these grandchildren, just very um, lyrical and beautiful. Um, so I would highly recommend that one. And then my last one. I read a while ago, Andy, you might have to help me with this because I know that you uh, also read it. It's Leave the World Behind by oh, Ruman yeah. Alam. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were reading at the same time. Yeah. Uh, again, we didn't know. And then mm-hmm. I saw on Goodreads that Andy was reading it. I was like, hey, Andy, what do you think of this book? <laughs> um, and this one is kind of dystopian. Yes. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, not super dystopian, but... Kind of uh, more like apocalyptic, maybe. Yeah. Like, but like, again, I think this one's like very like family centered. It's um, a family from New York City is getting out of the city on, um, on like a little vacation, yeah, road trip. Labor Day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a holiday. Yeah. And so they rented an Airbnb. I feel like it was like in upstate New York. And... Um, they're going there to just kind of relax because they have like busy lives. The kids are teenagers. The parents don't seem to have the best relationship. Yeah, they're kind of. Yeah, I think they're kind of looking for an opportunity to kind of reconnect yeah. a little bit. Uh, all, all four of them. Yeah. So they go to this Airbnb. It's got a pool. It's really nice. It's very secluded. Very secluded. Like there's no neighbors around. Um, and. Did the event happen before they got to the Airbnb? No. It was after, so they're, right? So they're at the house, and kind of late at night, someone knocks on the door. Yes. The and owners. The, the people who own the place. Yes. Who happen to be African-American. Mm-hmm. And and the, this family is white. So right away, she's a little off put by the fact that they're African-American, I think. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but they knocked on the door because there was some event that happened that knocked out all the electricity, cell phones, hmm. Wi-Fi, yeah. like everything in the city. And they didn't know where else to go, so they came to their property up in New York, upstate New York. Yes. But they still have electricity in the house, hmm. right? Yes. They don't have Wi-Fi. No. Or TV. Right. But they somehow still have electricity in this house. Yeah, they still have electrical power, but not any kind of communications yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, the phones phones are not working, yeah. all that kind of stuff, yes. So, like, I think the big chunk of the story is, like, the people that own this house are like, well, we, we want to stay here. And then this family's like, well, but we, we rented it, and... And you know, who are you? Yeah, for like, sure are you agree? really the ones that own it? Yeah. To to be fair, if I was staying at an Airbnb and somebody came up and they're like, "Hey, I own this place. You need to leave. Um, I'm gonna stay with you." I'd I'd, I'd question. I mean, yes, <laughs> I get it, but like, 
it was, I mean, they did show proof yeah. and like, mm-hmm. I feel, they, there was proof that they did. They were yeah. the owners, right? Um, and like, it's just interesting how they interact. Um, and then there's some other weird crap that happens. Yeah. Of the, course, because it has to. Yeah, whatever the catastrophe is, it kind of gets worse and is getting closer to them during the entire time then, too. Yeah. So. Like, they do venture out to try and get to town, and they never make it. Hmm. No. And then, like, the dad seems like he's slowly going crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little girl seems like she's slowly going crazy as well. She's not that little. He's like a tween or whatever. Yeah. Um, something happens to the boy. <laughs> you can't the teenager. Test, you're kind of testing my memory now. Don't give okay. away too much. See, I'm just saying something happens because neither of us can remember. Maybe, maybe um, some things that and we... I don't remember how it ends, but I remember it being like, what the heck? That's how I felt at the end. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll... Yeah, I don't want to spoil don't, anything. No, yeah, don't, don't spoil I mean, I'm as done. far as like... Don't, you know, the event or whatever. I still don't know what the event was. I still don't know. Someone just that. accidentally unplugged something somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, still... I wasn't even going to say that much. But... Okay, I still don't no, know. I, what... I didn't read it, to be fair. I, I don't remember what the event was because I don't think they told us. And um, see, now that's, I did that's say too much. Spoiler, isn't it? Yeah, can you, not, can you edit that part out? <laughs> can you edit that part out? I mean, I can try. I, I, I think uh, it it'll be fine. Yeah, uh, there's it's still mysterious enough that I think it would be worth. Or maybe I'm just reading. dumb and I couldn't figure it out. I don't know. Andy, Andy, it seems like maybe remembers more. Probably. More I, this was I was a while ago that not I read whole, this not one. A whole, not a whole lot. It was a while ago, but I really well, liked but we read it. it at the same time though. <laughs> but Andy doesn't have two children that suck the life out of him. All right. My kids don't listen to, My kids don't listen to this. You kidding? All right. Anyway, it's a really good book, and I feel like you should read it, even though my description was horrible. It's a really good book. All right, let's move on. Sarah, Sarah. Okay. what do you got for us? Okay. I am going to go a different direction here and talk about my favorite cookbook of this year yes. that I was really excited for and that I had pre-ordered a very, very, very long time ago as soon as I learned that it was being published. So um, I am going to talk about the Rise and Run Recipes, Rituals, and Runs to Feel Your Day by Shalane Flanagan and Elise Kapecki. Um This is their third cookbook together, and all of their cookbooks really focus on like healthy eating, food as fuel, you know, wholesome, good um, recipes to get you through your day. Your first one was... Um, Run fast, eat slow. Their second cookbook was Run fast, cook fast, eat slow. And this one is all about breakfast, brunch, and snack food. So it's right up my alley. My favorite meals of the day. <laughs> so, um, and if if you have no idea who they are or what anything anything about this book is, they are kind of known for like their superhero muffin, which came out in like their first cookbook. And hmm. like this is just like this superhero muffin just like went crazy. Like and then. This book has, like, I don't know how many superhero muffins in it, but I think maybe 20-ish superhero, different kinds of ways to make a superhero muffin. What is the superhero muffin? Um, it just has, like, really good for you ingredients in it. Oats, um, butter. It depends on, like, which one you're, like, doing. But it's usually, like, oh. really good, wholesome, 
food for okay. you. Like it's that food tree and then. Yes, there you oh, go. Thank nice. you, Sam. Nice. Sam, Sam also knows about these cookbooks, so he yes. can Yeah, I order nonfiction here, so I I know. And um, I like this one because this time they have some sweet ones and some savory ones, like an everything bagel type of superhero mm. muffin, which sounds really interesting. Um, I'm more of a sweet muffin eater, but I would maybe try the everything bagel one. Um, and also at the beginning, there's like some like running tips, nutrition guidelines, stuff like that as well to help you um, on your journey. Um, but yeah, I really like it. There's some really good like brunch foods, um, different recipes. I just love perusing books, um, cookbooks, and trying different things out. So um, yeah, mine was short and sweet. I really liked it. I think I need a couple of things from here already. Um, the sheet pan brunch was really good, and there's like uh, make your own like breakfast sausage, which I can't wait to try. Hmm. I was gonna do that with the sheet pan brunch, but um, I was running out of time. Is it meat sausage or is it like yeah, it's based? like it's like turkey and like ground turkey and pork, I think. Um, so it was like a, it's a good one. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy all of their books, um, and was super excited and couldn't wait for this one. I even did one of their virtual cooking classes, which was also sure. really fun. Um, these ladies are busy. Oh my god, yeah. I follow them on Instagram. They're busy. So when are you making us superhero muffins? Right. Oh, I don't know. I think that really <laughs> is tonight. And you're gonna... No, not tonight, because I don't work tomorrow. Work, no, no. You could do it, like, Monday night, and then bring it in on Tuesday. I could, I could bring in... Maybe I'll try the Everything Bagel one to bring. I love Everything Tony, Bagels. I don't think like Everything Bagels. <laughs> So he won't eat them, but um, I'll eat them. And if Sarah doesn't bring them, we will shame her on the next podcast. Yes, we will, and say that she lied <laughs> and didn't bring in uh, her food that she said she would. But yeah, this one was definitely like my favorite. I think cookbook of the year for me, something that I was anticipating. Other cookbooks that came out, Pioneer Woman had her new cookbook out, very popular. Um, I know there was like a wait list here for that. Um, totally opposite direction of this cookbook. Just <laughs> Different, different styles of cooking. Um, Trisha Yearwood also had a cookbook come out. I don't know what any of their titles are. Is she, are. A, she, she a chef now? She is. She's been she's been on the Food Network for years. Um, so I actually it's enjoyed, like talented lady. I, I really like Trisha. I would watch her show a lot um, on the Food Network. And I'll find out these titles. And yeah, play. and um, I don't know. I think. There's other ones, too, but, like, I can't remember them all. Sam yeah. buys a lot of really good cookbooks here, though, for the library, so, um... I do, yeah. and you tell me to buy a lot of them. So. I do. <laughs> I tell him to buy a lot of them because I see them pop up, and yes. I'm like, you're gonna want this. This is gonna have holds. It's a good resource you are, Sarah. I am. It's wonderful. <laughs> all right, so we have been talking for a very long time, but I do want to preview one book, kind of two, that I'm super excited about. Maybe three. <laughs> for next year. Um, I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, the Dandelion Dynasty series by Ken Liu. Um, oh, yeah, I just bought that book. Yes, and I am I got a copy from a different library. So sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, his uh, newest one, uh, The Veiled Throne, just came out. It's book three of four. Um I love it, and my wife was like, what's that giant book about? And I said, I don't think I can tell you what it's about in under, like, 15 minutes. Uh, 
So I will read the brief uh, <laughs> oh, description here that the author wrote. Um, so you better attribute it. So he in he invented a genre called silk punk. And he said, I have a big silk punk fantasy series called the Dandelion Dynasty in which the heroes are engineers, not wizards. Um, I use it to describe a technology aesthetic based on science fictional elaboration of traditions of engineering in East Asia's classical antiquity. So by that description alone, (laughs) it is very dense. It is super nerdy. It is an epic fantasy series. If you like things like Game of Thrones or Wheel of Time that are huge, big, world-building things, oh, you will love this. Only on TV. <laughs> um, but it does a lot of like East Asian creation myths and characters and stuff like that, so it's not that European knights with swords and sh- shields mm-hmm. stuff that I feel like is super overdone. Um, so it's very fresh. The books are super long. The one I'm reading right now is 980 okay. pages. Honestly, this sounds like a series my husband would actually really say, like. Don't sure worry, though, because the fourth installment, Speaking Bones, due out next year, is only 900 pages. So, short. Um, the second book, Wall of Storms, is only 880 pages. And to get you in, quick read... Grace of Kings, the first book, is 640 pages. Yeah. So just some light beach read. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like Tony would like this. I love it. I'm super excited for the series to wrap. I'll be sad when it's done, and then I'll probably just start it over. Um, What? But it's fascinating. I love it. He's an amazing writer. And if you like epic fantasy books, this gives you a ton of stuff to read. I think my friend would enjoy that book. Like, I have a couple friends yeah. that I think would really enjoy that. Yes. Um, my, bro- my brother and I... It's just like a solid no for me. <laughs> my brother and I nerd out about it together. He got me into it. You need to be dedicated for it. It's one of those yeah, books so that you need to, like, look at the map and look at the character oh, list yes. and, like, kind of keep track. And it takes a certain reader to... To power I have two children who suck the life out of me. I think I've already stated that. I don't have time for a 900-page book. And with that, I think that's a wrap <laughs> on our 2021 <laughs> podcast. So thank you Which, all. Like, I think it's at an hour now. <laughs> so thank you all for sticking with us for another year. We will be back in January with another podcast and some fresh books to talk about in 2022. So we will see you next year.